0: Good afternoon, friends, and welcome everybody to this Triangles webinar for Monday, August the 15th, 2022. There are 117 of us, 118 of us right now gathered together on this call. So let's just begin with a moment of silence and then we'll use the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. Mm So here we are, 130 of us now. So my name is Steve Nation, and I'm very happy to be your host today. As most of you know, these regular weekly Triangles webinars have two main goals, both of which seek to strengthen the planetary network of Triangles. The first idea is to introduce new people to Triangles and hopefully stimulate the formation of new Triangles. So if you're new, you're very welcome. And the second task is to create a space, a weekly space, where existing Triangles members can come together to share in a meditative visualization in support of the work, and to hear reflections and share ideas about world service through the power of thought from different Triangles workers. All the speakers and participants are part of the Triangles network. Today's broadcast will be focusing on the theme, the human and animal bond, another kind of service. We'll begin with some introductory remarks about triangles, followed by some thoughts on the human-animal relationship. Then we'll work with a visualization, which regular participants in this webinar are familiar with. And this will be followed by a presentation by Jen Louis, manager of the Lucas Publishing Company in New York. And it's a joy to have Jen for the first time here speaking, I think, on the Triangles webinar. So if you're new to Triangles, welcome. The Triangles Network is made up of individuals around the planet who come from different spiritual backgrounds and share a common belief in the powerful role that meditation, prayer, and invocation can play in the creation of a better world. The network is made up of groups of three people who are willing to work together in service to humanity, invoking energies of light and goodwill. The three people agree to link in thought each day, visualizing themselves as a triangle of light and each one using the great invocation. Each triangle is part of the global network of triangles. The lighted energies of divinity that are invoked are visualized as flowing out from each triangle through the network of all the triangles and into the world of human consciousness, strengthening all that is good and true and beautiful in the world. The network's been built over many decades, and it can be envisaged as a strong, well-established, potent structure. In the etheric and energetic body of humanity it truly lives <coughs> excuse me one of the joys of the triangle's work is that it provides a wonderful opportunity to begin to see and experience something of the particular quality of light that forms the essential I, the divine self of your two co-workers as you visualize their individual light Day by day and year by year, actively working in service with these lights and entering into the livingness of the particular triangle you're working with, a deepening naturally occurs in the nature of the relationship between the three of you, and one begins to get a whole new insight into the nature of group work, and particularly the nature of group work with light. If you're new to this approach to planetary service, you might like to consider forming a triangle, or if you're already a member of Triangles, what about forming another? The more people who participate with care and focus, and that's important, the more spiritual energy is released into our world. It's important that Triangles brings together servers from all the great spiritual traditions. The work was introduced through the Alice Bailey teachings and the Lucis Truss as a special affiliation with the network. But it's important to affirm that the Triangle's work is universal, it doesn't belong to any particular approach to the ageless wisdom. There's information on the Triangle's website, www.triangles.org, about how to form a triangle. And there's also a section there where you can form a triangle online, entering in your details and answering a few questions and then inviting others to contact you to form a triangle. This leaves the process fairly open uh, and people can respond um, to those who they're interested in. Or you can enter a request in the chat box on this call today and others on the call might agree to form a triangle with you. That often happens, That um, new triangles are formed during these webinars. If you have questions about triangles, don't hesitate to ask these in the chat box. Um, or ask them in the discussion period towards the end of the call. So let's just have a moment um, together and work with a very simple visualization. After all, the triangles work is essentially a work in visualization. Still yourself. And imagine yourself as the soul, the divine self, what you might think of as your essential Buddha nature, a radiant center of light and love that is the essential I, the essential you. In your mind's eye, see your closest spiritual companions as radiant centers of light and love. Let the face gradually recede into the background and notice the radiation of light and love that comes from these individuals. Imagine that you're linked together on subtle levels as triangles of light and that these subtle triangles are part of a network linking all parts of light, all points of light in the world. Imagine the richness of all points of living light from incarnated human beings. Living now. A great network of light. And now visualize lighted, loving energies flowing through the global network. from the mind of God, the heart of God, and from the center where the will of God is known. Imagine these divine energies enlivening all who are treading a spiritual path. The millions of people seeking to consciously live a spiritual life. Imagine these energies flowing through small groups of servers from every point on the planet and flowing out to the broad consciousness of humanity. Imagine how these lighted energies bring hope, vision, livingness, inspiration, and how they sustain and restore the love of humanity. With its accompanying spirit of companionship and of simple service to all cultures, all peoples, all kingdoms of nature, and all elements of life. Thank you. So today, Jen Louie is going to help us to focus our attention on the human-animal relationship and on humanity's destined role to become wise steward and mediator between the kingdoms of soul and spirit to be found within, and the animals, plants, and minerals of the natural world there's a tendency in the human species to focus on all that needs transformation and redemption within the human and on all the problems arising from the desire nature and the dominant thought form of separation and division. After all, there are so many problems we're faced with. Yet as we become more conscious of the damage that our intensely materialistic and separative civilization is inflicting on the animals, plants, and minerals of the earth, as well as the atmosphere and the climate. We might recollect that this is beginning to change. Something is moving in the human and increasing numbers of people are today thinking deeply about their own responsibility in building right relations with all life. For example, deserts are growing dramatically because of human activity all over the globe. And at the same time, there is a rising will to do something about it. That's reflected in, for example, the international focus on desertification and the way in which this has become a strong, significant theme of United Nations activity and thought. Years ago, an Indian writer, painter, and sculptor, Shakti Myra, related this spread of deserts to what he called the desertification of delight in human consciousness and culture. And in an article he published in the British Journal, Resurgence, back, I think, probably in the 1990s, he asked if perhaps this human-induced inner desertification, the lack of delight, might not also be affecting the aesthetic delight of plants and animals. The aridity in thinking, the littleness of the purely material, consumer-oriented understanding of psyche, economics, and society must surely reach out beyond the human. And these spaces of depression, human depression, surely touch inner spaces of the other kingdoms of nature. And we can only imagine what this impact is, this lack of joy. Triangle's work, and indeed, all thoughtful, spiritually inspired service work is helping to bring joy, awe, and beauty back to life in humanity's radiation. And we can only begin to imagine the impact that this will have on the animals of the world, all of the animals, the tiny little creatures, and the great big monsters. And so with this thought in mind, let's move into our meditation work. And this will be followed by Jen's talk and then time for discussion and reflection together. Let's focus ourselves as a group upon the mental plane, and Lincoln thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Triangle's Meditation Group.
1: One Group Focused Group in Consciousness.
0: And as a group, we say, in the center of the will of God I stand. Nought shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I... The triangle divine, work out that will within the square, and serve my fellow men. And And now, imaginatively link with two other points of light, two two individuals who share your spiritual path with you. And imagine that you're creating a triangle of light. And imagine that this triangle is an essential part of the radiant worldwide network of triangles. Hold the consciousness in this, within the light of the group soul. A heart of love, which underlies and infuses the network. And now lift your consciousness to the world teacher, the one who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy, and the one who also stands at the heart of every triangle. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in, through, and around the triangle's network. See these energies flowing as a constant stream, unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity. Healing and transforming consciousness. And enabling human beings to establish right human relationships.
1: Imagine the whole planet, a light with triangles.
0: Imagine that new triangles are being formed everywhere in the world. And as we do so, it's us use together the Mantrum of Unification in its adapted form. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form, and life, and all events, and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. And now we'll sound together the great invocation. You can do this wherever you are silently or aloud, but it's important that we all do it. And as you repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and the world of humanity, and a channel through which light and love and divine purpose are flowing into human consciousness from the point of light within the mind of god let light stream forth into human minds let light descend on earth the purpose which the Masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light And love and power restore the plan on
2: earth. (laughs)
0: Thank you friends. So now we're going to hear from Jen, Jen Louie. Jen is the manager of the Lucas Publishing Company in New York. She looks after all of the books and She's particularly interested in work with animals and is holding this focus today on the work with animals. And I know, Jen, that you're also keen that people um, are aware the, that there is a compilation available through the Lucis Publishing Company of all, its, all the, or a good selection of the comments made by Alice Bailey and the Tibetan on the animal kingdom.
3: Right, right, Steve.
0: So welcome, Jen.
3: Thank you, Steve. And good afternoon or evening, everybody. It's really great to be here. Um, So we speak of humanity standing in the middle. What does that mean? That means that above us is, we feel, a group of beings drawing us further upward on our individual and collective paths of evolution below us are those life forms which may not yet have developed a consciousness capable of perceiving a path of evolution. Those three kingdoms referred to as animal, plant and mineral live within their own instinctual and complex paradigms of being. But here we are standing right in between those two groupings of life, those above and those below halfway home, those greater beings (laughs) above us might say, but we know there is work to be done along the way. In the Alice Bailey book, The Animal Kingdom, A Spiritual Perspective, we're given a bit more insight into humanity's intended path of service when it comes to the animal kingdom. By virtue of us being a bit further along life's evolutionary pathway, It is our deepening magnetism, which will need to have a profound impact on the just emerging souls of creatures. Four animals in particular are mentioned as having developed awareness to a point that they are capable of being touched and so changed on a soul level. Those four animals are the horse, the dog, the elephant, and the cat. Historically, each of these animals has had significant interaction with the human race. Used for centuries in both war and peace, they're now ready to settle more deeply into their role as companions and students. Esoteric psychology states that the effect and purpose of a relationship between man and animal Is to provide a step forward for the animal. How does this happen? Well, it seems that as an animal is taken deeper and deeper into the realm of the human, that creature begins to take on a layer of selfhood, referred to as the process of individualization. The experience moves the animal away from the basic instinctual mode of living to a broader experience of living. There is a tiny spreading out of awareness, which is enabled by being in contact with the radiatory influence of the human being. This radiatory influence has the power to reach life, draw life to itself, and then hold that life in trust. For the animals which are in this sphere of influence, there are behavioral markers which give a good indication of how the bond is progressing. One behavior to watch for is, and this is a quote, the response of the instinctive nature of the animal to the mental atmosphere of the human being. Another is the outgoing love and interest of the people to which the animal is attached these two things can tell us quite a lot about how things are progressing for the animal so if we see the animal respond to an emotional expression by its human owner perhaps coming to sit nearby in times of sadness or refusing to leave the owner's presence if danger is sensed, we know there is an inner growth beyond instinct taking place. And if we see the human take a deeper interest in the animal, perhaps speaking with a tone of voice reserved for loved human friends, we know that this deeper bond is being forged and old walls within the animal mind are coming down. It is said that specific animals are connected to specific rays, just as humans are. Dogs are associated with the second ray, which is appropriately the ray of love and wisdom and the quality of magnetism. Elephants are connected to the first ray, that of will or power. Cats are connected to the third ray, that of active intelligence manifesting in adaptability. And for the horse, it is the sixth ray of devotion manifesting through intellect. If you take the ray of the animal and then blend it with the ray of the particular person with whom the animal shares its life, there can be a wonderful enhancement and strengthening of the animal's soul quality. And in esoteric psychology, it states that if, as a human being, we are aware of our ray type, we can identify the group of forms and of lives with which we are linked to which we must render service and by which we can be served. Perhaps this understanding of rays and of qualities gives new insight into the reasons we are drawn to particular animals. It's a kindred spirit thing. It's an intuitive sensing of a shared esoteric skin something to also keep in mind when considering the human to animal relationship is this, the group of humans referred to as the new group of world servers is said to stand between hierarchy and the human race. This group is made of men and women who take a bit more responsibility for their fellow human beings simply because they choose to. We can think of our group of animals, the horse, the dog, the cat, and the elephant, as being for the rest of the animal kingdom what the new group of world servers is for humanity. That is a grouping of lives which pull their fellow life forms a bit further down the evolutionary road. Because of their meaningful interaction with humans, they are a step ahead of what we may think of as wild, though still existing within their instinctual worlds. As they continue to evolve, they will magnetically pull their kingdom upward. This being so, our service to them is simply to approach with intelligent love and to gently guide them on. I suggest this approach. Look your animal in the eye, fully present, and just tell them you're grateful that they're here. Take your time, hold your gaze steady to theirs. The eye contact alone will open gates in their minds. The bond you already have will be strengthened tenfold. If you are one of those people who is graced with having such an animal in your life, you are fulfilling a call to service from the higher realms. Whether it's a horse, a dog, a cat, or for a very few, an elephant, can we try to see these creatures as they truly are? Not just loved companions, but a brave and curious life form drawn to us for guidance. From where we stand between heaven and earth, our connection with the animals is a shared and ongoing journey decided by the atoms of both our beings. It is a sharing of our human life energy as it radiates outward, further and further, to eventually encompass the whole of the planet down to the simplest stone and the tiniest seed. Sri Krishna said, all things want to live. As we move through our days with one or the other of these animals in our care, we might do well to remember that these members of the animal kingdom want to live. They carry the same unconscious desire to live that we do. In them, it is a small knowing, but a genuine desire nonetheless, born of a shared fire in the cell. In telling them of our gratitude, we are raising their existence upward in telling them of our gratitude. We are raising ourselves as well.
0: Thank you, Jen. by there's a lot to think about and that that's a beautiful talk. Thank you so much
3: well, thank you Steve
0: the um so interesting to think of these animals as like the new group of world servers. Mm-hmm. And we can also think then like, you know how, when we think of the new group of world servers, we also think of the heart the, the, that core, that core at the center of the new group of world servers of, of sort of individuals from all different spiritual traditions who have a living vibrant spirituality, who form the real heart center of the new group of world servers, so too with these four animals, those individuals who have particular relationships, um, bringing them into the real the heart of that, of that that sort of group at the uh, at the heart of the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's a great thought.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I think of uh, these animals as being the ones. That will eventually pull the, um, mm-hmm. the entire animal kingdom onward. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's uh, humbling actually yeah. to think of living with one of these little guys. I mean, they're exactly. um, you know we think of them as wild and, and and full of instincts. And when they do something unusual, um, so often we 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 say, "Oh, that was just instinct. That didn't that wasn't a real <laughs> connection. That wasn't." something they thought to do um, and i've run into so many animal trainers who also teach that it's all instinctual but mm. you know sometimes things happen that um are so far beyond that instinctual phase and i'm sure exactly. many, many people out out there listening have had um experience after experience with with their animals of these yeah. kinds of you know, things
0: Gary asked in the, in the chat. Gary asked an interesting thing, and it is interesting. He says, "What about dolphins?" That mm. uh, and and the, he, Gary says they always seem to be fairly advanced. And the thing that occurs to me is the role that dolphins are playing in not just those people who ha- happen to have experiences with dolphins, but through the whole of human imagination, we've become so aware of dolphins and um, experiences that we read of with people with dolphins. Uh, and it shows that DK's reference of these four animals, it really can be widened. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, we can imagine, I, I remember reading years ago about uh, in, in England, uh, a guy called John Aspinall who had a zoo. Um, but whose whole work was about building relationships with very wild animals, including lions. Mm. Um, and you can imagine those experiments really being at the heart of this new group of world servers of the, of the kingdoms, the movement of kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maria um, Salcido asks about the cow, um, which is a sacred animal in India. which it it is, it's a Mm -hmm. a sacred, much revered animal in India. Mm -hmm. Um, It's beautiful, actually right now I have a, at home we have a calendar and it comes from the Steiner community in um, Hawthorne Valley in um, upstate New York. And it's, it's painting, each month is a painting of a different cow. (laughs) <laughs> um, and because this is a big, uh, it's a big dairy farm, um, as my, uh, along with a whole lot of other projects. And um, I remember two uh, years ago at World Goodwill in London, a talk by Satish Kumar, um, in which he spoke about the cow, much of his talk was about his relationship with the cow. He lived in Devon in the south of England. And my well, God, I remember it. It was the most beautiful talk about milking the cow in the morning, um, how the cow calmed him down. And actually, it was about what, what you were talking about, Jen, about his gratitude for this mm-hmm. cow. If I remember rightly, the cow's name was Daisy. Mm-hmm. It would seem to be a good cow name. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think gratitude has a lot to do with it. And um, anybody who's ever looked an animal in the eye and had feelings of um, uh, affection for them, you, you can see it in the eye. And there is a great deal, actually, there's a great deal of emphasis placed on a study of the human eye um, in, in several of the blue books, the Alice Bailey books. Mm-hmm. Where we are instructed to study the composition of the eye, how it's put together um, and physiologically, how it works, and that once we understand how the eye works, we will understand a great esoteric truth. Mm-hmm. So well. when you, yeah, when you put that together with this idea of looking these creatures in the eye, um, mm. And
0: really when you like, think of how like how the human sees, we use the physical eye, um, and we also use like the left eye and the right eye and the third mm-hmm. eye, the middle eye um, in different ways and how, how animals use the eye, the consciousness of animals um, and what they see is so different from what the human sees mm-hmm. and like have the sense of smell. It's, 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 it's a wonderful thing for humans to imagine um, how, The sense of smell would be so much stronger than the sense of sight, which the human has. Mm. Mm -hmm. Different senses. Mm -hmm. Suzanne asks, why are animals so comforting and healing when you are sick? Interesting.
3: (laughs) I I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can explain it, um, they do have a sense, they do have a sense, especially if they've been around us for a while. Um, yeah, I had It'll, a, I, go ahead, Steve. Okay,
0: no, no, I was just gonna say it, it does relate to what you were saying about um, the, how the bond between the human uh, draws forth the animal's intention to serve their person, you know, and the sort of loyalty and devotion um mm-hmm. and in a way that's where the animal really gives to the person mm-hmm.
3: loyalty and devotion yeah
0: yeah and jo- and two. joy in- oh yes the the incredible thing of um joy the it, it's interesting you know in in i um in in india and darjeeling which is the most, in the Ellis Bailey tradition, it's the sort of most hidden, almost occult center in the five planetary centers. And yet, in this region, the Ellis Bailey work, one of the ways in which it's become most anchored and grounded and present in the community is through two magnificent animal shelters Mm. um, and uh, a really wonderful Um, co-worker, um, Christine Townend from Australia, um, who's a writer and has written some wonderful um, books, Um, one that was particularly it's a novel, and I've I've been looking for it now. It's actually, I think it's rather difficult to get now. It's a novel called Mooti, and it's a story, it's the most beautiful story of an elephant and It really draws on Chris's relationship and her work with elephants that she was involved with Mm in sanctuaries, various sanctuaries she managed and and started in India. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is online, and maybe I'll post it on the chat, a wonderful review of this book, Moti, and because it really does enter into what animals have to give to humans, but more importantly, what humans have to contribute to the evolution of the animals,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which really mm-hmm. is in line with what you were speaking about.
3: How do you spell that, Steve? I actually want to look that up. Her,
0: um, M-O-T-I.
3: M-O-T-I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, and it's written from the perspective of Moti, who was a wild elephant and then was captured, and then be, um, be, became part of there's a big tourist trade in Jaipur in India, where elephants, um, tourists are transported to sort of sacred sites, up steep hills by elephants. And the elephants, <laughs> they suffer terribly from, um, well, they suffer from blindness because of the, they shouldn't be out in the sun, because um, they're, they're working usually working in the worst possible time in the day when the tourists are there, the peak of the sun. And they also suffer terribly from um, getting burnt feet from the heat of the Hmm. ashfield, among other things. And, you know, it's a sort of fairly humiliating life, but there's a lot of changes and Chris has been instrumental in terrific number of changes in the management um, of the, animals involved in the tourist trade in Jaipur.
1: Hmm.
0: But that book, Moti, is, um, let me, I'll just have a look and I'll send you, I'll add a review because it's such a lovely review of the book. It'll take me a second to do it. Maybe, Jen, while I do this, you would have a look at the chat and see if there's something else to mention.
3: Mm -hmm. All right. Um, studies have determined that dogs have learned to read human eyes. I Uh completely believe that. I bet a lot of people who have dogs would too. Um, Clint, Animal Kingdom closed off from transitioning to human life. You know, Clint, I had a conversation with somebody recently about that. And who knows? Who knows? But the teaching right now, the belief right now is that some animals do make it through. Um, I I know nothing more about it, but um, but yeah, yeah. Apparently, the door is closed for the majority, but for those very few, um, it's open. Um, let's see. I'm skipping around here. Sorry. Where are we? Uh, I recall a reference from the Tibetan. This is from John Horan. To the effect that marine mammals such as the dolphins and the whales are on a different evolutionary line than humans, and our four designated animal companions. This is in much the same way that the Deva evolution is separate from the course of humanity. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Along those lines, it is also believed that the um, the winged creatures, the birds, they are their own evolutionary life. And uh, the Tibetan even states that they are made up of the souls of individuals who have been away for some time and want to get used to being back in the earth environment. So
4: rather (laughs) than
3: uh, putting their feet on the ground right away, they take on wings and, (laughs) and get used to the earth environment in that way. It's kind of a beautiful
0: thought. It is. And what a role birds play like in urban environments often when birds in in, in some Western urban environments, birds are the one time you can encounter um, the sort of wild nature Um, and often birds like little birds are so touching because because of their apparent vulnerability, you know, in the midst of all the concrete and everything. And then you see such beautiful colors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful when you think of the role that sort of now great communicators are playing in use of cameras and use of all modern technology to take like huge audiences to see closely everything about the life of the animal, of an animal, Um, the Mm -hmm. difficulties, you know, the vulnerabilities of these animals say like where I live, the deer um, in the winter, um, these deer have to survive in bitterly cold temperatures with snow around. And, you know, you think of the, of a deer nestling down beside a tree at night um, to try and get some warmth. Or and and programs that which are very popular, they are totally transforming this human sense of relationship, this mm. ability to, to be, start to see and feel and think of what the animal's experiencing. Mm. The outer part of it, of course, is, is a very sentimental thing. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> behind that, there is something much deeper. Yes.
3: Yes, we've got two hands raised. Do we want. Oh, lovely. Hands?
0: Yes, we should. That's. Um, Barbara, do you want to um, unmute yourself if you're able to do that? And then we'll go to Sam.
5: Hi, can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can.
5: Oh, hi, Jen, thank you so much. That was such a beautiful presentation. And I particularly liked the part about looking the dog in the eye and Mm -hmm. communicating with that. (laughs) I've just been thinking, you know, with um, COVID, a lot of people have been adopting dogs and a lot of people have, there's been a great turnover of of dogs and shelters and probably cats too, but I'm more aware of the dogs. And a lot of these dogs have been abused. And you don't know what's happened to them um, in their life to to make them react a certain way. But if you look at them really carefully in their interactions with people, you can tell what's happened to them. You know, you can tell if a dog has been hit with a tool, for example, mm-hmm. a, like a shovel or a rake, because every time they see that type of tool, they're going to they react. And I think the great um, service of, of humanity rendering to animals that have been abused is to help them heal. Uh, they're never going to forget certain things, and they're always going to have certain habits and reactions, but they can learn that there is great love and trust found in human beings, and that helps to lift them and mm-hmm. take them out of the difficult situation that they came from, necessarily.
3: Yep. Yeah, and, th- and that is a very special person who takes those animals in and works with them for years. I've, I know people who have worked with abused dogs for years and it, it just takes a while. But as you said, um, it's the love and the gentleness of the human can overcome eventually the, um, the ingrained abuse. And it's just amazing to see. Yeah.
5: Yes, and not to punish them when they do something that they're reacting to, but to mm-hmm. take them away from a circumstance that's going to make them react. And you want to keep them safe, and you want to keep the people safe. Um, but anyway, it's it's just a great joy. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thanks, Barbara.
4: Sam. Ah, oh, hello, Steve and Jenny. Hey, thank you, you. thank you so much. It was beautiful, and it's a. Uh, Subject very close to my heart. <laughs> um, I was just thinking, you know, you were saying about the elephants, the dogs, the cats, the horses. Um, are we seeing because of the progression of human compassion and developing understanding? Um, are there animals that are taking their stand with those animals as well in their progression? and? You said about birds, but I mean, I'm with a group that's got thirty seven thousand people just that love crows and all that family <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're seeing work done with jungle cats that are saving people from landmarks, mm-hmm. and now they're even chaining rats um to take in um first aid packet first aid packaging. For um, people trapped in earthquakes and so on. Um, wow! And I know Jen, you said about the animals. Uh, I remember the 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 DK bit and actually saying that the birds were in an, an angel coming back to to learn with us and teach us. Mm. So yes, mm. I don't I don't know whereabouts it is, but it's a beautiful part. It is,
3: so, and yeah. I think that's in the uh, animal the animal book. Um, mm. what is the,
4: I, I think, think it's also in the, cosmic fire
3: it, there's a bit in cosmic fire sam and uh, yeah. the animal man and the rays section in cosmic fire i highly recommend that mm. Also, our little book the animal kingdom a spiritual perspective yeah i've got that too yeah it's a quick, <laughs> a quick read and it's full of wonderful insight yeah yeah
4: yeah but yeah so i wondered what you thought to that is it, is it an expression of our own growth and the animal kingdom. Oh
3: yeah, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say so. I, uh, I'd say in the last, I don't know, Steve, you'll have to jump in here too. Maybe in the last 50 years, we've mm. seen a, an opening of the human heart in relation to animals and how they're treated, how they live, what they need and what they're capable of. And we've started, you know, we've started to study what they're capable of. And I've noticed in some of the chat remarks that um, we now understand, That animals, dogs especially, have an amazing healing presence, cats as well. Um, Horses, I know, are used for uh, therapy. Um, We are open to that idea now of animals Mm. having something to offer us beyond just Mm. companionship and uh, what they've always done, you know, gone into war with us or. yeah, so so the, the whole concept of what an animal is, is changing. And I'd say mm. that that is mostly within the last 50 years. We have so much more to learn about what mm. they perceive and what, what they can see when they look at us. I mean, we don't even know what they see when they look at us. Maybe they see, maybe they have the ability to see beyond this dimension that we live in right now. Uh, some people, have, there's always been a mythology around cats. The cats can see into other dimensions. Um, I don't know, we'll find out soon enough, I suppose, yeah. when the, when the science catches up with the mythology, um, mm. but we have so much to learn from them and anyone who has had an animal in their life for a long time knows how much they have learned from that animal being with them.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks. Um, thanks, Sam. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, I, there's Sam. a couple of other hands raised. So yep. um, Heather, would you like to unmute yourself? You there, Heather?
6: Hello?
1: Hi, Hello. we can hear you.
6: Okay, I'm
1: Betty, though. I got a... a oh, Betty, to, hi. Okay. to unmute. <laughs> <laughs> Good.
6: Nobody else showed up, so I tried it. Okay. This was many years ago. Thank you for the the discussion. It's very beautiful. This was many years ago, and I've forgotten the details, but I remember a program in which um, a team was teaching sign language to chimpanzees or, you know, one of those species. Mm -hmm. And they made a lot of progress on it. In fact, I think they had a kind of a traumatized younger chimpanzee and the chimpanzee was able to communicate them that its mother had been killed and you know they were captured or whatever probably not that specifically but I thought that was an amazing kind of research project
3: mm-hmm I, yes I, we are learning more and more and more of what they're capable of understanding and perceiving um, there are so many studies going on now. Uh, I, you know, and, and I do think it's important for us to keep in mind that they have their own way of being and their own way of communicating. And it's normal for us to want them to understand our language and our perception, but um, to, be, to remain open and aware of their language and their perception, I think, is going to reveal a little bit of magic to us. But yeah, Betty, that's a really good comment. And it reminds me of Jane Goodall and all the amazing work she did in Africa.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Heather, would you like to (laughs) unmute yourself?
7: Hi. Hi, I think it's right. Can you hear me okay? yeah beautifully oh thank you thank you so much Stephen. thank you jen and this is a really dear subject to my heart what i want to share is my own experience of my cat she's a rescue and i helped someone adopt her a year before she came to live with us but they weren't able to keep looking after her and i've watched this cat transform in the last five years through love and that's and it's been quite remarkable so whereas before she was really frightened and things like that and um, now she's she's much more open and the really remarkable thing is everything that we've given to her she gives us back tenfold if we're really really upset she will seek us out like I watched her I was really upset one day and she galloped I can only describe it as galloping over the garden wall and she will come and sit at our feet and it's just really amazing and it's what you were saying Jen it's look her in the eye and say I'm so glad you're here thank you for being here and I, I just wanted to say that that's been my experience with my cat it's really nothing short of miraculous and and lovely <laughs> it's lovely
0: thank you heather it is well it's when you think about the significance all of these things all of these stories like that heather but and and, and betty about the language things but so much is happening now as a sign of humanity's real spiritual evolution mm-hmm. So one of the things that most interests me, really, I think, is this: is the idea of law, and so, and now the terrific amount of energy that's going into reflection on the rights of the animal, um, and that human rights be balanced with animal rights, and understanding what that might mean. But when you think of it from the perspective of law, it's such an interesting transformation of human consciousness, that there are significant sort of areas of thought that are thinking about animals with, with full respect for another kingdom of nature, and for, as you say, Jen, for the language of that kingdom. And then thinking, so how do we structure law that reflects humanity's realization? that it is not the only, you know, that it, that it is no longer where we thought we were as the ones who can lord it over everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's having, and the other thing that I love is the thought of, as a young person now, looking at your future profession, the huge range of opportunities to enter into a professional life that will Involve work with animals, mm-hmm. uh, conservation, um, just hundreds of things. in In New Zealand, it's intriguing because New Zealand has a um, like a, a big income from tourism. So the country invests enormous amount in the um, in conservation work and people whose lives are protecting sort of islands and um, parks and protecting endangered animals like the kiwi, which is an endangered animal. And terrific resources um, go into this work with animals. And that to me is a real, should give us a real sense of hope that humanity is perhaps even further along in the path than we thought we were.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What a great thought. And that animals are pulling us along, right? Yeah, well I,
0: but that's what I think. That's what I mean. I do think that animals, that the role of these kingdoms, animals and also plants are the ones that are almost standing before us, looking us in the eye, yeah. not saying with gratitude, but saying, Look, we need you. Yes. We need you. And 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 people are starting to hear it. And that's seeping into the sort of mass culture through these communication, through these like very popular um, programs that are often so deep. Mm -hmm. And that almost take what you said about the eye, it's as if figuratively, they shine a camera on the eye of say the elephant or the something, and you know, and they, are learning to do it in a way that you see into the soul of the animal Mm -hmm. it's um and you know that's a that's a new sense that is happening in the human Mm
3: -hmm. it sure is we're moving past the the wonderful stage of wanting to know more about their natural Mm -hmm. habitats and their instincts and all that and that was great i mean all of those pbs shows that (laughs) that we all watched wonderful But we are now moving into this whole new arena. It's a new paradigm of, like you said, Steve, what's underneath, what's behind. And um, uh, things are moving very, very quickly. We're finding out just how much we have in common and just how beautiful our coexistence can be, what we can learn from each other. There's a lot lot of wonderful comments here. Uh, A gorilla that knew how to sign Coco. Uh, Sometimes dogs give us warnings before earthquakes. Right, right, right. Rupert Sheldrake is a um, really interesting author that uh, Christina has mentioned here. He has um, (laughs) dogs that know when their owners are coming home. Um, Sounds wonderful. According to Jane Roberts and Seth, cats are able to detect what he called coordination points, intersections of stronger energies. You, you will see them sit and meditate, kind of gently rocking and often purring on one of these points. And these points move in space and time, so do not remain permanent. That's really interesting. Never heard that before, um, but it does. It does kind of play into this mythology of cats as. Um, Being mythical creatures uh, with amazing powers. Yeah. And Faye says animals are helping humanity to register the reality of nature, to help us turn the boat around from the destruction of militarism and industrialism. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I seem to have, um, I'm back. (laughs) Something happened. Something happened. I don't know what happened. So, where are we? This is such a great discussion. Thank you, Jen, and thank you, everybody. It's. Um, let's have a look. Shall we? It's it's uh, what is it? it's ten after four. Is there anything, Jen? You'd like, Jen? You'd like to add? Fee, I see here. Hi, fee. Animals are helping humanity to register the reality of nature. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The reality, what it, yeah, the real the life of nature to help us turn the boat around from the destruction of militarism and industrialism. Mm-hmm. And Fee has put a question mark after that. And my suggestion would be to remove the question mark and make that a uh, affirmation. Mm-hmm. And it is actually what's happening, I think. Hmm.
3: So I would just say, um, you know, we all really are graced to have animals in our lives. So I I will do better myself to think of um, my dog as somebody I'm serving and some some creature that I can learn from, um, and I hope we all we all can do the same. The Earth needs us to reach out to these these creatures, all of them, not just the four mentioned, but all of them. Um, And as best we can, forge new relationships with them as we create this new life, this new Earth that we want, because they will be here and they will be part.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Jen. That's a really wonderful um, note to finish on, I think. Let's just um, have a moment of complete silence (laughs) Um, and allow all those sounds that we can hear of all these animals
1: at peace.
0: Thank you, friends. Thank you for that work. And may we visualize the Triangle's network glowing with this thought about the human-animal relationship. Bye, friends. Next week.
1: mm